thank you, Ryan. That's impressive. Without notes at that. Hi, y'all. How you doing? Uh, it's good to be here. Thank you for having me. Thank you, Ryan, for that, and uh, and Gary also for inviting me. I, I'm really pleased. Uh, it's very cool to be back in Johnson among kinfolk, and um, yeah, very especially cool to be reading with Michael uh, Dickman. Yeah, I um, <clears throat> I know his brother, in fact, and it's it's nice to finally it's it's nice to finally put uh, another uh, face with the same name. So, oh, there you go. So here we go. Um, yeah, I, I kind of, uh, I kind of was was hoping that Michael and I would be a, a good fit uh, because we we both have almost exactly the same number of words in our bios on the backs of our books. I, I figured that, if anything, you know, it's kind of simpatico, you know, it's less is more, so. Um, yeah. Um, Partridge Boswell lives with his family in Vermont. Thank you. And you, you'll, you'll have to share the same? Okay, thank you. Yeah, that would be great. That would be great. Um, but no, I I, um, I admire his poetry intensely, and uh, I, I think you know ever ever since I I read that poem in Flies, uh, I've never looked at Emily Dickinson quite the same way again. So uh, makes an impression. It's great to be uh, breathing the same air with him tonight. I'm going to read a few poems from uh, my Grow Your Book, Some Far Country. Just a couple, and then I'll move on to some newer stuff. This first first poem I'm going to read, um, it didn't make it into into that book, but uh, it could very well have. It's called The Crossing. You don't have to sit there and watch me sleep. Go do what you need to do, and I'll have myself a little nap. So I kiss your cheek and walk the long corridor. A single hale cell swept along in the current of that sterile capillary. One of Abel's bewildered flock, interloping through a gelid sea of affliction, bled out eventually by automatic doors onto Francis Street, down the block of coalescing masks, across the green line and seven-pulse convergence of Brigham Circle to J.P. Licks, where I stand in line as if we have all the time in the world and try to crack a crooked smile for the ice cream barista who hands me a dirty chai and a coffee frap you crave but won't touch, not after the chemo bag empties. And I'm following the tether back, counting how many steps, minutes, hours, days I've been gone from your bed. As I stand there still on the corner of that coronary confusion of cars and pedestrians, Stunned by how bloodless and clean violence can be. Waiting for a little white walker to supplant a red hand. Unable to press the button that makes the icons change. As if that placebo 
would do any good. Because I'm holding a drink in each hand, one cold and one hot but cooling, while the traffic keeps moving, unconscious of its own music, or what will possibly happen when the light changes and it stops. This one's uh, almost seasonal to the month, um, and I suspect a month from now it's going to look pretty much the same as it does now, but we'll see. We're not holding our breath. It's called Quiz. The little wren on the roof outside our bedroom window looks at the feeder, then at me turns and flies back into the snowy air as if to ask, how can this be April? Surely you're joking. And late April at that. When the doctor came in that afternoon, the last question he asked, after you could barely tell him your name, what month is it? The drab room vibrated with your silence, a simple failure confirming the universe. Outside, stars continue to fall, covering seeds spilled from an empty feeder. I can't tell you whether it's night or the shade between. This one comes with an epigraph. Uh, by Antoine de Saint-Exupéry. There was not even any sound because of the sand. And this is for Griff. Wonder. The night before the day you stared God in the eye and God blinked, you became the clock we watched, your hours condensed to a holiness of breath deep in cavernous sleep. Or so we assume, until you hear his playing from another room and cock your head, and your own mother goes in to ask him to come in and play for your mother. I think she likes it. And he comes and sits beside your bed and strums and sings a Natalie Merchant song he learned your oldest son who graduates from high school next year while your youngest little prince dreams in another room he has all the stars laughing only for him the rhythm of blood a perpetual tune in his chest as your own rises and falls a leaky raft at sea and you drift far from everything you'll miss in their lives far from anything resembling pity or regret Eyes closed, resigned to never sighting land again. You listen with the faintest smile on your lips to this strange, wondrous music which seems to be flowing from somewhere deep inside of you. As the shy boy you always liked but never spoke to approaches and asks you for this dance. So one more from this book, and it might as well be the title track. 
uh, also comes with an epigraph from Philip Larkin. Their greenness is a kind of grief. And this was written, um, as you you might, it, it's it's funny, kind of flowing throughout this uh, this whole book. I've noticed later, not until later on, that that uh, there's an awful lot of river and water imagery, and and uh, it was no coincidence. It was right around the. I wrote a lot of it right around the time uh, of the flood of Irene. So some far country. What really sucks. All the cliches are true. The dead want to make an example of us. We begin to levitate only upon their cue. You never told me you could translate fire, you who are as young as ever. Dark, sacred morning, rain barrel filled to the brim. Mirror black surface belies another life below. Things as they are, Without question or reason, no string or Cartesian theory, here is the hand you're dealt. Now play it. Here is a shape of cloud. Now color it in. A giant Luna flapping against the bedroom window last night. His pea-soaked diaper this morning. Rest assured, you're not missing a thing. Even today's anomaly of blue sky, you've been it all before. The doorstep's newborn lung of air, followed by the spider's thread swept across your face, the dog and cat turning hopeful circles to be let out, burning off the luminous sheet of valley mist from within. I fall asleep with the light on. My tent moves every night, always on the fringe, and even that is too close. The roadway empty save for trucks hauling sand and stone back upstream to fill in washed out roads. Hourglass we tip and tip again. Unseen rituals of desperation. My pen is a dream meandering through country I once knew and will never visit. We travel the same river in opposite directions. I in the water floating with the current. You on the horse path dragging your barge of family upstream. We pass each other daily. Our children wave to me from the boat and sometimes offer a hand to pull me on board for a mile or two until you notice the added load and I slip away again with the flow and swim to the opposite shore where bindlestiffs have set up camp along the banks. Soon we will bivouac beside them and put Paris out of our minds for good. Gossamers, you weave and leave stitched upon the canvas of our waking sentience. I write to fill your silence. Now on to something a little newer. Um, past few years I've noticed how, how important dreams are to, uh, to what I'm doing as a writer. And I don't know, I imagine a lot of you have found that too, subconscious. Um, Uh, 
this one is called uh, Dolly Spoon. Because I dreamed it, it must be true. There must be an empty room down the hall that will remain empty. There must be a necessary correlation between emotion and existence. Because we all swim in the blood of one question, there can only be one best answer. Because the dogs are no longer hunkered, but trotting toward me proudly with unidentifiable bones in their mouths, they must be tired of dissecting and ready to go home where they can savor what little was scavenged. Because I wanted to remember every detail of you, I fell asleep like Dolly with a spoon in my hand. Because you will never again inhabit your body the way a word inhabits sound, this moment of foresight in retrospect lingers in the white bowl of bedside gardenia as we sleep. Because you died before spring could arrive, every latent thing became laden with possibility, a scion rooting while opening to the sun. Because I didn't dream you last night, you're here more than ever. Don't ask why. Because, just because. Any, um, any tattoos out there? Anyone have a tattoo? I, come on now. Come on, this is, this is an artist colony. <laughs> All right. Um, yeah, they're, they're, they're a curiosity to me. Um, I'm not going to show you mine, but um, just that, you know, something can be so private, personal, and yet public. Um, it's that old tension between um, concealment and and uh, revelation. So um, this is based on an actual conversation that happened at the Groyer Poetry Bookshop in Cambridge. If you're ever down that way, um, I encourage you to visit. If you haven't haven't ever been there, it's it's a wonderful anomaly. It's called Asymmetry. My daughter's tiger is beautiful. Its wanton eyes and priestly pelt, flesh eater forged a velvet flame. She always loved cats as a girl. I don't want to tell her it's beautiful. It'll only encourage her to get more. Another serpent curving up the Babylonian garden of her spine, or fiery phoenix rising from her dimples of Venus, or Boston skyline stretched between her angel bones. Besides, I want to get one. What would you get? I've always wanted one of Frida Kahlo. I know what you mean. And where would you put her? I could put her anywhere. It wouldn't matter. No one would see her but me. I'm done with that part of my life. Oh, this one's self-explanatory. Um, it's called Let's Get It On. Not much progress was made. Our most coveted, faded, nameless on the vine. 
At least there's a heap of door prizes to show for showing up. Did I really need that third Happy Meal? All I wanted was the toy. Which of its many vocations will Seoul choose today? Atman? Foyer? Sanitation worker? Eventually, we will be recycled into park benches, pigeonholed at the edge of our most pristine desire. Mother needed us more than we did her. Dad was just plain moist towelettes, saddened by greed. He slept out back in the oleander bushes, came inside to eat smoke and watch TV. He had a talent for multitasking, for telling, not asking, and a fondness for condiments, always a nice piccalilli on hand for slathering his children. Candles and cake can wait. First, presents. Isn't that one of those newfangled karaoke keychain lanyard homing devices that uploads your first million songs without a licensing agreement? Did you catch the exponential wave of YouTubeage depicting our day of reckoning? Scurfs up. Just hop on and scrape away the epidermis. Strap yourself in, oblivious behind the wheel of the latest sporty baseline shift. Forget stapling cravings now that our homeostasis is new and improved. Introducing the stomach collator. Tires that inflate while you drive. The in-car breathalyzer. Why wait in line? Where would we be without Larry Polonius to rein in the afflicted heir to the throne? Look up from your twiddlings. Let's contrail the sky with cloud conspiracies dense enough to hide Nibiru from our naked eyes. The first time we fucked it up was too coy. So now we get to fuck up what we fucked up. Get to keep all our balls in the air. Extend our all-chocolate dinner to breakfast and lunch. Contrary to the adage, turns out you can take it with you. Behold the Earth-sized space station. The Calypso in Apocalypse. Can you hear it? The good vibration in Annihilation. The let's get it on in Armageddon. Can you dig it? Unleash the plague of vampires, because if we can endure the siren swan song of a whole world in love with itself, at least we can tweak the frequency of one wheel whirring in the dark. The extreme compunction of our last conjunction, will it be and, but, or, or? Which thread unravels our wall-hung tapestry meant for the floor? Imagine a virgin forest the epics it grew before anyone with two legs entered it. The endless numbered days before your eyes reached in and mapped it. Now imagine the firestorm that erased it. Now imagine more, only hotter. Uh, another seasonal one. And this is very reminiscent of our, uh, our drive up here. It's called Descant. And this is uh, about as new as they come. I think I uh, finished that this morning. Driving north into mountains, the road traces the river to my right, clouded with crusted snow, save for an intermittent black scar in the surface only a colder cold can heal. Where blood runs fast and shallow, 
uninterrupted in its long journey south to the sea and some riff on infinity, free of sediment or ice. How contrapuntal of me to curse the windshield rhyme or frost heaves beneath our vaulting car and yet empathize with the plight of these particular molecules as if they harbor envy when their boxcars unhitch at Terezin while the rest of the train continues on to Auschwitz. Roaring past a river cloaked with snow, its unseen polyphony clear as the path of wood smoke from a valley farm rises into a deserted sky. And lastly, um, I look forward to the day that, um, that I get to live in a place that does not observe daylight saving time. I don't know if you feel the same way, but I was especially feeling it this past uh, change. Daylight saving time. The adjustment so slight in retrospect. A hiccup to oblige wars and retailers. Nothing to skew the space between rhythms in your wrist or pulse of a sluggish dawn or overzealous dusk. Even so, I have to remind myself this morning to praise the stone-faced children arriving for school, their mute parents dropping them off out of patience for a life that promised something, the teachers walking to their classrooms who will do their best to pry open again the shining seam that sealed itself back up overnight. Praise the interim principal who keeps track of state truancy laws while fist-bumping seniors in the halls. Would it be too radical a nepotism to praise our own daughter for sleeping in and making us late? Dragging us through her pre-seventh grade primping ritual, rivaling southern corporate bells who maintain makeup is synonymous with success. Who, when she reflexively flicks on her favorite pop station the moment she climbs in the car a half hour after her first period started, I want to lace into and flood her computer's stunted world with natural light pointing out that I'm not a taxi service and it sure would be nice not to have to make three trips for three kids who attend the same school. A point pointing nowhere except an inevitable escalation of our shared dread for the wide, vertiginous expanse of day sprawled before us, voices rising to a crescendo pitch in that claustrophobic enclosure behind windshield and dash for a brief hovering ether we inhabit between home and school maybe our only moment alone together all day when a stray zygote catches in my throat and I think better of it better of her and what she faces walking through those doors Better of the grass slicked with late winter rain that's starting to show around the edges of her school. Better of Kelly Clarkson, praise patience and restraint. Better of a world not made with saints in mind. Better of her 12-year-old perfume. And I begin to praise every porous imperfection in a shy and booming voice from the back of the room. 
praise her, telling me to be sure to pick her up earlier than last time as she steps out onto the curb. Praise what we're waiting for, for not coming too soon. Thanks very much. <laughs>